Good morning again, Broadway. Good morning. All right, I've, um, I've got someone who's going to read scripture for us this morning. And as they come up, I would ask you to stand as we read from the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 7. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. One hundred and forty-four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Of the tribe of Judah, twelve thousand were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, twelve thousand were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, twelve thousand were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, twelve thousand were sealed. Of the tribe of Nephtali, twelve thousand were sealed. Of the tribe of Manasseh, twelve thousand were sealed. Of the tribe of Simeon, twelve thousand were sealed. Of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Zebulon, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with the white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the Lord, the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answering, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where do they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation, and washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more, nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Thank you, Spencer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, which is true. And I pray that your word would speak to us, speaker and hearer alike, and that we'll be challenged by your word, and that we'll grow from your word, and that we'll give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want us to to remember a little bit, we are looking at the way of the Lamb. All right, we are looking at the way of the Lamb. What what is that to us? So I'm going to try and find the first few points that I did not have on my notes. Ryan has been speaking to us about the way of the Lamb, Revelation, the book of Revelation. And I want to encourage us as we start this. Number one, he has spoken about, recently we spoke about the Lamb is sovereign over all history. Am I right? And we've spoken 
about today we are speaking about the lamb is shepherd of his people we're going to be looking at the lamb is just in all his judgments and then the lamb is victorious over all evil those are the three those are the four areas that we are looking at and today as i said we are looking at the lamb is shepherd over his people and in looking at the lamb is shepherd over his people and also throughout the whole time the question in hand for all of this is how do we remain faithful to the lamb in the world that is feverishly following the dragon how do we remain faithful to the lamb in our world that is feverishly following the dragon and today we're going to speak about the lamb is shepherd to his people all right revelation chapter 7 verse 15 uh, through 17 i've got it here i'll read it again 15 through 17 says therefore um they are before the throne of god and serve him day and night in his temple he who sits on the throne will dwell among them they shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore the sun shall not strike them nor any heat for the lamb who is in their midst who sorry who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to the living fountains of water and god would wipe away all their tears from their eyes and we're seeing people here that have come out of tribulation we are seeing the end we are seeing this picture of the end and we're seeing this picture of now too the realities of heaven now and also in the end and we see here jesus the bible tells us that he's standing we've heard about the lamb who is slain who is in, on the throne as if he is slain but that lamb rules that already gives a little bit of a, a division or a contradiction to what our world thinks of ruling of somebody who is in power somebody who is in power is not a lamb maybe a lion because of the fierceness maybe an elephant because he's huge he's got a presence maybe so many things can be thought of the least to think about is them to be a lamb that is slain and that's what we think about in our world in our mind about what leadership would look like so there's already something there that's like oh his ways are higher than ours his thoughts are higher than ours the bible says they were before the throne these people who have come in and the lamb is sending is, is in the center of the throne these people the multitude of people were before the throne and for me that comes back to the idea that we might be seeing just a little bit here feeling a little bit of the presence of god but when we get there we will be fully in his presence i believe he's coming back again and he's going to bring us fully into his presence these people there is no waiting list for these people to see the lord it says they are constantly before the throne there is no barriers there is nothing that holds them back they are in his presence you know this 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 saints again if you think about it if you read a little bit backwards you find that these people were people who had experienced i wonder if it's my mic that's making noise who have experienced affliction here on earth but it's not the affliction that saved them 
but it's their relationship and their faith in Jesus. When we are in affliction, it's not that affliction saves us and gives us the right to be in the presence of God, but it's our relationship and our faithfulness to Jesus. The Bible tells us again that the Lamb is in the midst of the throne and He will be their shepherd. In heaven, when we get to heaven, my imagination, my thought when we get to heaven is being at a place where we realize the love, the full love and care of the Lord. The nature, our Savior naturing us and protecting us from every affliction. And we start to experience that here, but we experience the fullness of it in heaven. And it says, they shall neither hunger anymore, nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. God will provide for each and every need of his people because he is shepherd to them. Before I go any further, I want to look back to the Old Testament. Psalm 23. I want us to see Psalm 23 being lived out in Revelation. Psalm 23, it's a very popular psalm. Most of us know it by head. Now we'll read it still. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lamb is their shepherd. So we see the lamb, he provides for their needs. As we hear, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We hear that they have no need anymore because the lamb is their shepherd. We see the lamb as a picture of a shepherd. How weird is this? Another weird thing. How weird is this? That you have not a ram, but the lamb being the shepherd of the sheep. God taking what men look at as foolish and accomplishing his purposes. The, sheep, the lamb is the weakest of the flock when you think about it. But the lamb becomes the shepherd of the, of the flock. That blows my mind. There's a, um, a video that has been going around, some of you have seen it, of um, a lamb, this little boy, He's, there's a big trench and the lamb fell into the trench and he helped it out. I mean, worked very hard, pulled it out. As soon as he pulled it out, it sprang out and ran a few more steps and went right back into the trench again and got stuck. And I was like, that's kind of like me, Jesus. <laughs> but the whole idea there is seeing that the lamb is not is not looked at by the world as something great, something of big strength. 
The lamb, the lamb is look at something of weakness. But we see here that the lamb is their shepherd. Jesus does shepherd us now. I don't want to discount that. He's our shepherd even now. He is close to us even now. He cares for us even now. But yet in heaven it would be so much more because it would be the fullness of that reality. Of him being the shepherd of his people. One of my favorite preachers, I'm sure you know by now, Spurgeon. He says, I'm going to read a few quotes from him today in our, in our talk. But the first one here that he says, the true Christian life, when we live near to God... It is the rough draft of life of full communion above. We have seen the artist make with his pencil or with his charcoal or a bare outline of his picture. It is nothing more. But still one could guess what the finished picture would be from the sketch before you. He's saying that in our walk, now when we experience the shepherding of Jesus, it's just a rough sketch of the fullness of what it means when we are in his presence. And I want to encourage you that as we see these things that are hard, as we meet these things that are hard, we need to realize that this is just a picture. This is just a a, a sketch of the picture. For some of you who are old enough, you would remember when we used to take pictures before the digital age, we would take pictures and then they would go through the negatives, would go through the dark room to come out and be seen for what they are. When you look at the negative, you'd put it under the light to try and see, and everybody would be looking like a ghost on those negatives when you put them under the light. But they need to go in the dark room. You cannot process them in the light room. You process them in the dark room when things are hard, when things are tough. That's where it's processed and the pure one comes on the other side. I want to encourage you that it's the same process here. We see this in a mirror dimly, as Corinthians says. But face to face, we shall see and we shall know just as we are known. And so the the, the shepherding of the lamb too, we see it in a mirror dimly. We see it in a sketch. But we shall see it in full when we step into his presence. That excites me. And then it goes on and says, God will wipe away their tears. God will wipe away their tears. What tender love, especially today on Mother's Day. What tender love. It gives me a picture of a mom. When my son cries, mom wipes the tears tenderly and is kind and is loving and is understanding and gives comfort. God loves us with nurturing care that is far more beyond that fuzzy feeling of a mother loving their kids. Imagine that. Can you even imagine it? I I can't even imagine it. The love that is beyond that. And that's how much we are going to see when we get there. We also understand that every tear, not some, every tear will be wiped from their eyes. Not some tears, every tear will be wiped from their eyes by the Lamb in heaven. Tears of losing the people we love, 
tears of sadness, tears of uh, being in a place of persecution, tears of not being understood, tears of being laughed at for some of you students, being laughed at by some of your friends at school for following the Lamb, those tears will be wiped away. On this earth, we bear pain, shame, sometimes tears. We endure them, and we bring them to God. And he shows his love with his sweet consolation of, I love you, here on earth. But one day in heaven, they will be wiped away forever. So, in Revelation 7, 15 to 17, if you have not heard anything else, I want you to take this home. The lamb is the true shepherd to his people. The lamb is the true shepherd to his people. And then I'm going to move on. I'm going to move backwards. Revelation chapter 6, 9 through 11. And I'm going to read this. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you, you judge and avenge and avenge our blood and those who, on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer, until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren would have been killed as they were was completed and we see here in this part we see the shepherd will avenge for his flock it's hard to think about that because we want to avenge for ourselves in so many ways and so many places but here we see the shepherd Again, emphasizing what has been said in Deuteronomy 32, 35, and 36, vengeance is mine, recompense is mine, says the Lord. Again, we've heard it in Romans 12, 9, 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it. Leave the wrath to the Lord because it is written, vengeance is mine. Hebrews 10:30 has told us again, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Again, says the Lord, the judge of his people. The lamb is the one who takes the vengeance. Any shepherd would know that if they are out in the field and something comes and attacks the flock, they take vengeance. They fight it. They don't just let, oh yeah, he has has taken the lamb, we should just let it go. We hear in the story of David that he says to uh, King Saul that when I was in in, in the bush, when I was a shepherd, and a bear came, this is what I did to it. And the lion came, this is what I did to it. We see the picture of the shepherd being the one who brings vengeance. And here we see the shepherd cares so much for his sheep that he chooses to avenge for them. And I want to encourage you and, and comfort you some of us, we, we are facing real times of persecution in, in, in some small ways, in some small fragments, compared to our brothers and sisters that we saw today in the Muslim world. 
Yes, we are still facing persecution and tough things, and they are facing even tougher. But I want us to remember that in all this, the shepherd cares so much for us that he'll bring things right. He says to these that are with him, wait a little, a little longer. Wait here a little longer. Not even wait, rest here a little longer. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down and rest. And he's asking them, rest a little longer. We need to finish this. And when this is done, I, the shepherd, will come out and I will lay the table before you in the presence of your enemies. The shepherd has a plan and his plan is bringing vengeance for the sake of his flock. That's what a shepherd does. Jesus even went on to say that the shepherd lays down his life for the sake of the flock. So if you don't get anything from this part of Romans 6, 9 through 11, I want you to remember this. The shepherd, the shepherd lamb would avenge for his persecuted flock. Let's see another place where we see the lamb being a shepherd. Revelation chapter 12. Verse 10 through 12. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. War to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you with great wrath, because he knows his time is short. In Revelation chapter 12, 10 to Uh, 10 to 12, I see the shepherd protecting his flock against the dragon. It starts, it, it goes on to say, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. The accuser of the brethren is, who accuses them is the enemy, is the devil, he accuses us. But we see that the blood overcomes those accusations. Those accusations mean nothing because Jesus' blood was shed for us. The shepherd's blood was shed for us, so the accusations mean nothing. We may deserve the accusations, and surely we do because we have sinned, but they mean nothing. Because because of what we did not deserve, we now do deserve to stand in front of the Father. The blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Shepherd has given us the right to receive God's mercy, to receive God's kindness, to receive his protection. We may be sometimes even worse than the accusations that the enemy gives But guess what? The righteous work of Jesus on the cross says Teteleski, it's paid for. It's all done. The blood speaks those real things 
it, it, when he speaks of the blood, when they say the blood of the lamb, they're not just speaking figuratively. They're speaking about the blood of Jesus that was shed, a real thing that happened on our behalf before God. It was the place of our death that he took. He took the place of our death. The blood of the lamb emphasizes that substitution that happened on the cross for us. Just like the Passover lamb would die, this one was a lamb of lambs. Above all, and he died and he became a substitute for us. So this shepherd that we have, not only does he provide and do all those things, he also gave and put, laid down his life by his blood for his flock. The blood of Jesus also heals our troubled conscience. We know that because we are, his blood atones for us. It shuts the enemy up. He is left with nothing to say. To accuse us. Knowing and remembering this. As the flock. As the people of Jesus. It helps us and it protects us from the deception of the enemy. The enemy wants to deceive us. And to continually. Continually accuse. Continually remind you of things that are gone. That you've prayed and asked for forgiveness for. Continually. And the blood knowing that there's been a substitution, the blood of the lamb is still as powerful as it was then as it is today, gives you and me, the part of the flock, confidence to stand before God. Our lamb shepherd laid his life to protect us from the dragon and his accusations. Not loving their lives... (laughs) Overcomes the dragon's violence. If they don't love their lives anymore, whether he kills them or he does whatever, it doesn't matter anymore. Because the, the investment is not on this life, it is on the life that is coming. The violence of the enemy is dispowered by us fully giving our lives, not loving to cling to our lives here on earth. Jesus says, he who loses, who tries to keep his life. Can somebody help please there? He who tries to keep his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will keep it. And we see here that they did not love their lives. They, they, were, they were at a place where they were like, thank you Lord that we don't really cling to this little life. We know we've got all this to live. And so we don't cling to this. And when that happens, we, you, you, you are assured of that the enemy's scheme of violence, of fear through violence and murder does not help. Today we're going to be singing, um, you're going to be hearing one of my favorite songs, childhood songs. Um, and it speaks about the people who who gave their lives for the sake of the lamb. And when the tyrant said to them, I will save your life if you renounce the name of Jesus. And he says, but one by one they chose to die for the lamb of God they would not renounce. When we know that our life is banked up here, 
It's up there. It's not here. It's not here on earth. Our fullness of life is not here. We realize that we are not worried to cling to it. We easily can lay it down for the sake of the cross. No threat of the enemy would shake us. Threat of violence will not shake us. Threat of death would not shake us. Because we know what our future looks like. Those people that we see here remind me of Philippians 1.21. To live is Christ and to die is gain. I want to encourage us. Let us not be afraid. Tribulation will come. I mean real tribulation will come. And when it comes, let us not be afraid. Let us be ready. Because we know we have invested our lives not here, but there. We see the mere form of the picture, but we're going to be in the picture up there. So the lamb's blood protects against the dragon for the flock. If you didn't get anything from this one, that's a point that I want you to take home. The shepherd lamb protects his flock against the enemy. Another area where we see the shepherd lamb, Revelation chapter 14, verse 1 through 5. Revelation chapter 14, verse 1 through 5. And here we see the flock belongs to God and knows the voice of the shepherd lamb. Then I looked up and behold, a lamb stood on Mount Zion with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their forehead. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the sound, like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of thunder. And I heard the sound of the harpists playing their harps. They sang as it were a new song before the throne, before the living, four living creatures and the elders. No one, no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These were the ones who were not defiled with women or for their virgins. These are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. These were the redeemed from among them being the first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And, their, and in their mouth was found not deceit and without fault before the throne of God. And I... They have the Father's name written on them. He saw the Lamb standing on the mountain. That may mean a lot of things, Mount Zion. People who look at the revelation from the point of... Um, um, of that it's true events that are going to happen still in the future would have a lot to, to talk about on the issue of um, the lamb standing on Mount Zion and all those things and I, I'm not going to go into that. But I want us to see this part because I'm talking about the lamb being the shepherd. Is that having their, his father's name, the lamb's father's name written on their foreheads. We heard last week that the followers of the beasts may have a mark on their hand, on their, fore, on their forehead. We said that in Revelation chapter 13. And I think Ryan touched on it the last week. But that mark is just a copy 
in South Africa would say it's a Fong Kong. It's a copy, it's a counterfeit. The idea of the mark is the idea of the father marking those who belongs to him. And the beast steals it and tries to use it. The mark on their forehead is not BCC for Broadway Christian Church. The mark on their forehead is not B for Baptists. The mark in their forehead is not W for Westlands, E for established church or whatever we call ourselves. The mark on their forehead is the name of the Father. When shepherds have, have sheep, they brand their sheep, they mark their sheep to show which belongs to which shepherd. But also the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And we see here that these people have a mark, they have a distinction that says to them, they belong to each other and ultimately to the father. They belong to the flock with each other, but also they belong ultimately to the father. And the lamb is their shepherd. And the Bible tells us that they sang a song which no one else would know except those that had the mark of the father, that belonged to the flock. Brothers and sisters here in Broadway, that song is learned while we walk with Jesus here. Let us learn that song while we're walking with Jesus here. Let me read to you a little bit what Spurgeon says about that. He says, heaven is not a place to learn that song. It must be learned here on earth. You must learn here the knots of the free grace and undying love. And when you have mastered their melody, you will be able to offer to the Lord a tribute of a grateful heart, even in heaven, and blend it with the harmonies eternally. We start as we walk here on earth. Let me share a few things of what I mean. I know some of you, what does he mean that we learn it here on earth? There are a few things that we learn as a flock here on earth, as we prepare to go home. And there are more of them, but I'm going to share just two of them. Number one, the people of the lamb, the flock of the shepherd lamb, number one, they know that they are not their own anymore. They have been purchased with a price. Brothers and sisters here at Broadway, one of the knots of the song is knowing that we do not belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to him. First Corinthians six nineteen through 20. Or do you not know that your temple, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We are not our own, we are not our own masters anymore. When we realize that and we know that and we understand that, we are starting to learn what this means to walk behind the shepherd lamb. And when we realize that, we realize that whatever happens to us, 
reflects back to the shepherd. Because we have this mark of the shepherd, if I'm wearing a Broadway t-shirt, it's a good example, it's a silly example, I'm wearing my nice Broadway, green Broadway t-shirt and it says, preaching Jesus downtown, and I've got a Broadway sticker in the back of my car and all those things, and I'm driving down here and stop at the light and I don't like somebody and I flip them a bed and I honk and I do all those things. Do you know what people are saying? Oh, yeah, Broadway people. It's the, same, it's, it's the same thing with us when it comes to how we respond and react to things as children of God. We are part of the Lamb's flock. We not only reflect to one another, but we should reflect to our Father. And also, whatever happens to us reflects to the shepherd as well. How good the shepherd is. John 10, 11 through 13. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. But a hiring who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling. And does not care about the sheep. Our shepherd cares for us because what happens to the flock says about the care of the shepherd. Well, it does say something about us, as I've given an example, but it also says something about the care of the shepherd. So our shepherd makes sure that he cares for us. Because he realizes that what happens to us is his flock reflects back to him. So as I've said, number one, we learn that we are not our own. We belong to the shepherd. Number two, which is the last, I said I'm going to share two of them only. The people of this flock, they follow the lamb wherever he goes. The people of this flock follow the lamb wherever the lamb goes. We heard that in Revelation. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. The shepherd gives direction and they go, yes, sir. John 10, 1 through 5. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up on some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and when he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings them out, his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger." The people that are part of this flock stay with the shepherd, but also hear and recognize his voice. What is his voice? What is he calling the people to do? To mention just a few, in, to Philip, in John 1, 43, he says, Come, follow me. To Peter, Mark 1, 
17, he says, come, follow me. To Matthew, Mark 2, 14, he says, come, follow me. I can list. He's saying, come and follow me. I am the good shepherd. Come and follow me. The instruction from the shepherd is come and follow me. He said to the young ruler, sell everything you have. Come and follow me. That's his call to us. Come and follow me. When a shepherd walks out and calls his sheep, they come and they follow the shepherd. They hear his voice and they respond by coming and following. Whose voice are you responding to? Whose voice am I responding to? Who am I choosing to follow? The people of the lamb are able to say, I'm in a relationship with all these other sheep that are different from me and sometimes they drive me nuts. But I'm in relationship with them because I follow the lamb. Because we follow the lamb together. That's the reason why. The people who follow the lamb are are in a position to say, I live my life with all these Christians that might be different from me, that sometimes make me want to pull my hair out. But I live with them in harmony because we follow the lamb. Our personalities clash, but we follow the shepherd lamb. And that person again might say like us Broadway, I exist in uncommon unity because I follow the lamb. Romans 12, 1 from the message. Let me start with from the King James Version. It's very interesting when you read this and realize what this means. New King James Version, Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. But in the message, he says, so here is what I want you to do with God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him the people of the lamb put everything down for the sake of the lamb at the end these very same people will say I am in heaven because I follow the lamb we need to make a decision and the question again how do we keep following the lamb in our world that is feverishly following the dragon how do we keep on following the lamb one of the ways to keep on following the lamb is to realize you belong to the lamb is to walk with the Lamb, is to listen to the voice of the Lamb. 
There's a song that I, I like, and I'm, I'm going to have it play on video, and there's going to be lyrics for you to look at. But I want to read these lyrics quickly to you. Now, most of you know the song, especially the old older generation. I know I'm old in my soul, so forgive me. But um, one of the old people like me would really love this. I'm sure the youth love it to hear me say one of the old people like me. Because they always not fail to remind me how old I am. It's a song by Ray Boltz. It says, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. He says, I've heard how Christians long ago were brought before a tyrant's throne. They were told that he would spare their lives if only they would renounce the name of Christ. But one by one they chose to die. The Son of God they would not deny. Like a great angelic choir, I can hear, almost hear their voices ring, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. With all my strength, with all I am, I will seek to honor his command. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. Now the years have come, now the years have gone, but the cause of Jesus still goes on. And now our time has come to count the cost. To reject the world, to embrace the cross, and one by one let us live our lives for the one who died to give us life. Till the trumpet sounds on that final day, let us proudly say, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. With all my strength, with all I am, I will seek to honor his commands. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. We'll take, a f- take about a few minutes and um, we'll have it play a little bit. And I just want you to think about this. What is your pledge? Where do you pledge your allegiance? I know we do pledge, we stand and we make a pledge of allegiance in front of the flag, but is that the most important thing that we pledge allegiance to? Some of us put our allegiance to our political parties and our views and ourselves and our families and all those things. I want to challenge you today to pledge allegiance to this shepherd lamb. Make him the first, make him the most important. All right, let's play that for a minute. Spare their lives if they would renounce the name of Christ. But one by one they chose to die. The Son of God, they would not deny. I will seek to We've got our our allegiances in different places. So many of us, even people who know Jesus. And I want to challenge that notion today. Our allegiance should be to the Lamb. And if you have not made that choice, let me start with that. To make that decision for Jesus, to pledge allegiance to him. This is your opportunity. Take it and use it. And if you have made the choice for Jesus in your life, but you realize, Lord, there are some things where I've placed my allegiance to. Help me. I want to recommit and re-pledge my life to Jesus. This is the time. 